This is the Woodland Hills Family Church Podcast. Our desire is to inspire you and your family to become fully devoted followers of Christ. Now, enjoy today's message with Adam Donier. Good morning, Woodland Hills. Welcome. I would say it's beginning to look a lot, except it really started three months ago. We live in Branson, right? So... Uh, who, are, who are we kidding? It's been looking a lot like Christmas here in Branson. And so I, I have some accountability friends that would meet together almost every week at Chick-fil-A. And my friend Rod Hanley started a ministry called Character That Counts. And he created these little cards that are like blue, yellow, and, and they have different questions on them. And these are a list of questions that I would meet with my group of guys. And we would ask these questions every week. And the first one is, have you spent daily time in the word and prayer? The second one is, have you had any lustful or tempting thoughts or looked at any explicit material? The third question is, have you been above reproach in all your finances and your financial dealings? The fourth one, have you spent quality time with your family and your relationships? The fifth one, have you given 100% in your job and in your schoolwork? Have you, no, the sixth one, have you told any lies or painted yourself in a better picture to other people around you? The seventh one is, have you shared the gospel with an unbeliever this week? The eighth one is, have you taken care of your body through sleep and diet and physically working out and just taking care of the temple that God's given you? And the ninth one is, have you allowed anyone or person or circumstance to rob you of your joy? And I used to love that question because it's such a powerful question. Well, and then the tenth one is, have you lied on any of these other questions today, right? <laughs> but, 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 the, but the ninth one is, what, what have you allowed anyone or anything to rob you of your joy? So the question I have for you guys this morning as we jump in to Philippians 4, 1 through 9, is what is robbing your joy? Well, and and I, I don't think anything can rob your joy. I think you have to give them that joy, depending on where your source of joy is coming from. And we're going to talk about that. But I thought of some things that I wanted to put up here on the screen that potentially might be robbing your joy, like, like this image here. That, that, that might rob your joy a little bit. I, I've, I've been in Branson for almost 19 years. And true story, for the first time in 19 years, I was up in Columbia for an event. And I was driving back on Friday at 5 p.m. going south on 65, something I've never done. And probably something I'll never do again, if I'm honest. I, I couldn't believe how much traffic was coming into Branson on Friday night. And, and so the brilliant engineers of the Branson community decided, hey, why not when the first thing we do when they get off the exit, let's put a roundabout for all of our tourists right there that don't understand what a yield sign is. And on top of that, let's put a huge Christmas display right in the middle of the roundabout so all the tourists want to stop and look at it in the middle of the roundabout. Like Ted said last week, tourists, we're glad you're here. Just don't stay long, okay? <laughs> this might rob some of your... Traffic might rob some of your joy. Uh, it, it might. It, it can affect you. People, people honk, right? Some people give you one-finger waves, different things throughout it. But, but that might... Here's something else that might rob your joy, especially this time of season, right? We're, we're less than two weeks out, mom and dad. Don't give me the stress and the anxiety. I know I still haven't gone shopping. Well, it's too late now. If you, have, if you haven't gone now, I promise it's all gone. Or it's not going to get shipped to you in time. No, I, I do not need to fuel your anxiety today, okay? Some of you are already stressed out. It's less than two weeks away. It's crazy. And what is less than two weeks away? No, Jesus' birthday. That's what's less than two weeks away. Jesus' birthday. Remember, that's what this is all about. 
It's, it's her birthday. It's him. This is all about him. So this whole season is about is him and not us. And, and, and when we make it about us and when we turn it back to us, and a lot of that angst and anxiety, that's, that's going to be fueled. But when we fixate our, our eyes on him, the author and perfecter of our faith during the season, like we should, not just during December, but like Branson does all 11 months of the year, right? It would be a lot better on our soul. Here, here, here's another thing that might rob your joy. Technology, social media, right? Jump, jumping on and, and reading stuff and, and doing all those things that the, the, the fear mongering and the toxicity and the venomous comments to other people like this is something i'm seeing robbing a lot of joy especially in the young people that that i deal with on a consistent basis and so i I would just ask any of you if if you spend time on fox news or news stations or facebook or twitter or instagram or tiktok any of those things and and after spending time in those arenas you walk away less filled with joy i don't know if those things are healthy for you I don't know if they're helpful for your soul. And only you can answer that question. In spending time on this, is it helpful or is it hurting? Is it robbing my joy? Right? Because Jesus is the ultimate source of joy. So he doesn't want you to be lacking in joy. As a matter of fact, it says, in him, our joy will be complete. Right? So, so if our joy is not complete, there's only, there might be things robbing our joy. Here's another one that really robs joy. That's comparison. Uh, Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy, which is hilarious. I find out from my wife, all, all you ladies doll up and do all that. It's not for us. It's not for guys. Guys, they don't care that, that you like what they're wearing or the boots they're wearing. No, no, no. It's for other girls to be like, oh, I love your dress. Oh, I love your shoes. Oh, you look so awesome. Like, right? But, but comparison honestly robs a lot of a lot of people's joy, not just ladies, fellas too. Fellas start comparing each other to other fellows and, and their gifts and their strengths. And, and, and God didn't create you to be someone else. He created you to be you. And when you walk in you and you be you, that's when your source will be at its highest, who God created you to be. Uh, and the other one, this is probably mine, this is off the charts. Mine is bad customer service. Right? I just Googled bad customer service and this image came up and I said, obviously they don't know about Lambert's because that'd be really good customer service if we were Lambert's right there. <laughs> but bad customer service, like it robs my joy. So, so my wife and I had a night away planned at an uh, unsaid hotel here in town. And uh, they also have a hotel in Springfield. So, but I had a gift card. Someone gave us a gift card for a night away. So I couldn't order it online and just take care of it myself, which I would have preferred to do. Uh, but I couldn't. So I had a call and just said, hey, my wife and I would like to stay at your hotel in Branson. Can we get this booked for this night? Everything going to be taken care of. Awesome. You're set to go. So we get a kid sitter. I'm excited to have a night away with my wife in this awesome hotel. Kids are taken care of. We get our little rollaway bags. We roll up to the desk. We give my driver's license, my name, have the gift card ready to go. And the guy behind the table says, well, we actually booked your room in Springfield. I said, no, 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 no. I assure you, I did not say Springfield. I said, Branson. And he says, well, we record all of our phone calls. So let me go back and listen to the phone call and see if you're correct. My wife and I just sit out in the lobby, sitting out there for about 15 minutes. He comes back out in the lobby. He says, we listened to the phone call and you were correct. Unfortunately, we don't have any more rooms available tonight. And I said, well, you have other establishments in this area. Can, can you not put us in another room? He says, well, I can give you a supervisor to talk to. Here's the number. Call. So 
have nowhere to go. He doesn't know I'm from in town. So all he knows is I could have flown in to Branson with my wife and suitcase. I had nowhere to go. He said, well, you can drive an hour north to our place up there. I said, no, I'm here in Branson. I don't want to drive an hour north. So my wife and I go to a restaurant. My joy is completely robbed. Like, fellas, think about it. I was planning on having a night with my wife away from kids, okay? Your joy would be robbed too, I assure you. We'll leave it at that. So... I call the supervisor. I talk to the supervisor. And the supervisor is not very customer service friendly. To which to the point, I know the person who owns this establishment. To I said, what would said person think if they knew how I was being treated right now? To which she said, if you want to talk to said person, go for it. Click. That's what I did. That's exactly, that's what I did. That's what I did. I'm sitting at dinner with my wife and the whole night's ruined. I'm out of it. I'm frustrated. I'm distracted. I'm, I got to go tell my kids, sitter, get out of here. We don't need you at the house anymore. Go. Well, I did no said person. So I did what any reasonable person would do. I called the assistant of said person. And sure enough, I got a call the next Monday. We are so Sorry, Mr. Donier. Can we put you in one of our nicest suites and can we cover your meal at one of our nice restaurants and the whole bit? Rolled out the red carpet. Oh, the flesh in me wanted to be there when that young lady had the conversation with her authority afterwards. So that could really rob my joy if I'm not careful. But, but I, I said to my wife, I said, baby, I don't understand why some people are in customer service. It, it, I, I love that you're working. If you don't like customers, don't be in customer service. It's not rocket science, ladies and gentlemen. Come on. So beware of what robs your joy. Okay? So did you actually know, as we've been talking about greater joy, this whole series is greater joy. 3 John chapter 1, verse 4. Well, there's only one chapter in, in 3 John. It says, I have no greater joy. This is what it says. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. There's no greater. I would agree with John there. I have no greater joy than to see the students that graduate our program that go on and they're living for Jesus. They're focused on Jesus. John is also saying, because that's where their greatest joy is going to come from when they're walking with Jesus. And I know Ted's heart. Ted has no greater joy than to see the people of Woodland Hills acting like, talking like, loving like, and walking with Jesus. Right? Which, which doesn't act and respond the way the world does. No, 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 no. When we're walking in the truth, it, it looks radically different. than when. And the greatest joy that we will have as people on earth is when we're truly walking with Jesus. So this whole series, Greater Joy, that's where the greatest joy comes. Jesus is our ultimate source of joy. That's where the joy comes from. Now, we can believe the cultural lies and think that joy can come from other places, but it doesn't. And it never will. And it might be a temporary happiness, but it's not joy. It's not the true source of joy. So as you know, Ted finished up Philippians chapter 3 last week, which gets us into Philippians chapter 4, verse 1. So let's take a look at it. The first word, therefore. Any, anytime you see the word therefore in scripture, you have to ask, what is the therefore, therefore? Well, he's coming off the heels of everything he just said in chapters 1 through 3. 
And so he's saying, because of everything I've just told to the church at Philippi, right, because of all those things, therefore, right, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. I, I love what Paul's saying right here. He's saying, stand firm, right? Stand firm. But, but you can't stand firm and stand. You can't. If you've ever been to the beach, you can't stand firm. You need to be on rock or cement or pavement to stand firm. And the reality is when what you standing on collapses, it will quickly turn to sadness, right? If, if it's not Jesus. So, so go ahead, next slide. When what you're standing on controls your joy, it quickly turns to sadness upon collapse. Right? So anything other than Jesus, right? And, and notice that I said there in that quote, I didn't say if... What you're standing on collapses. I, I intentionally used the word there when what you're standing on collapses, it will take your joy to set it. Because guess what? There's only one thing any of us in this room can stand on that won't collapse. And that's Jesus and his truth and his word. And so if you stand on anything else hoping for it to bring you joy, when it collapses and it will collapse, your joy will subside and it will be quickly removed with sadness. And, and, and a sadness is okay. It's an emotion God's given us. It's not a sin to be sad. But, but to live in there and to spiral in there, is a, the spiral happens when that was our source of joy, when that was our source of life. But Jesus said in Hebrews 13, verse 5, he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Which insinuating that everything else in this world is going to. Everything else in this world, even your amazing spouse, will try to rob you of your joy at times. It, it, presence will rob you of your joy. Gifts, promotion, work, jobs, friends, peers, parents, they will rob you of your joy. Kids, they will rob you of your joy. Everything will rob you of your joy at some point. And when that is where you get your ultimate source of joy, it is going to lead to a spiral if you don't put those feet in the foundation of Jesus and his word. Okay, it goes on to say in Philippians chapter 4, four verse 2 and 3, I entreat you, Odia. And I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. I, I don't know all of you in here and I don't know how you walked in here today. But I don't know if you've ever heard, there's this thing called the book of life. I don't know how big it is and I don't know how small it is. But there's this book of life, and in this book of life, it's going to have the names of every believer that trusted in Jesus. That, that believed that Jesus walked this earth and lived the life that all of you should have lived, including me. He dies the death that all of us deserve to die. He was crucified, buried, resurrected, the only one that ever defeated death and tasted it, so you and I don't have to feel its sting. Was ascended into heaven, he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of God, and he will come back. And for those that truly trust that, and believe that. And believe that Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior. That he was born of a virgin. What we celebrate in two weeks. Truly believe that. And know he is the only person that can take away our sins. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. If you've never believed that. You'll show up, all of us one day in here. We'll show up when we take our last breath. Death is undefeated. Well, almost undefeated. One person's defeated it. And we'll show up on that last day when we take our last breath. And we'll become before what's called the Bema Seat of Christ. The Judgment Seat of Christ. And we'll meet our Maker. 
And there will be this huge book. And we'll meet our maker. And, and, and those that have trusted in Jesus Christ's name will be in the book of life. Those that have never trusted him and put faith in him, their name won't be in there. And it says they will be put to a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, where it'll be hot for a really long time. But those whose names are in the book of life and trusted Jesus as their Lord and Savior, they'll enter into the presence of heaven. So Paul is saying, treat them well. Their name is in the book of life. They follow and believe and trust in Jesus. And that's why their name is in the book of life. And I love what R.C. Sproul says about the book of life. When God writes our name in the Lamb's book of life, he doesn't do it with an eraser handy. He does it for eternity. Can I get an amen? So you've heard me say this, Woodland Hills. He didn't save you. He's saving you you. I, I, I didn't just need God on the day when I was a wretched 20-year-old college student. I need God every single day. I, I love the way Ted brags on Pat Kershaw and just how much she's still growing. Right? She's not done. She's like, oh, all right, I reached the finish line. I'm not, no, she knows until she takes her last breath. She still has purpose on this earth. She's still being sanctified. Like He keeps working it in you and through you. I'm still being sanctified. I was an idiot in college. I'm still an idiot. I'm just more of a sanctified idiot now. Right? It just changes. And, and he doesn't give up on you. It's not like, okay, I saved you. Now you're, uh, it's all on you from here on out. No. I didn't need the gospel on the day I trusted Jesus. I need the gospel every single day of my life. I need to hear the good news every single day. Why? When I remind myself of the good news, it limits the power of the enemy in my life and it stirs my joy. It illuminates the joy in my life. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6 goes on to say, Rejoice. This word rejoice means just to exude joy. So just exude joy. Do people look at you as a Christian, right? And say, you know what, I'm not a Christian, but, but I can't explain those people that go to Woodland Hills. They're, they're just so different. They just exude this joy to them. They're just so different by the way they treat people, by the way they love truth. And it makes these atheists and agnostics scratch their heads because the way you exude joy. Or do people look at you and say, you know what, I'm not a Christian. And those people that go to Woodland Hills, they validate the reason why I'm not a Christian. They complain about all the same things. They, they whine about all the same things. They, they engage in all the same toxic conversations online. They look exactly like I do not believe in Jesus as they do believe in Jesus. There's no joy exuded from them. So why would I walk with Jesus? They have nothing that I don't have. But he's saying rejoice, exude joy, give out joy. And the Lord always, again, I'll say rejoice. Let your reasonableness, let your reasonableness be reasonable. In your conversations online. Be reasonable in your interactions with your former employees. Be reasonable, right? Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. And that, that's, that's a buzzword today, right? We, we, we'd say anxious and anxiety. It's a real thing. And, and it's not new. 2020 didn't bring anxiety. On. Pandemic didn't bring anxiety. Like anxiety goes all the way back to Scripture. Or else Jesus wouldn't have talked about it. He wouldn't have said, don't be anxious about tomorrow. Worry about today. Today's got his own show. He wouldn't say, cat. Peter wouldn't say, cast all your anxieties under him because he cares for you. Anxiety has always existed. But, but I do know this. Anxiety has been heightened. Anxiety, anxiety has been magnified in our culture and our world. Matter of fact, I spend about 340 days a year with 13 to 20 year olds. And in 2015, I got a call from a lady named Kylie Crossland. She writes for World Magazine. 
She wanted to interview me and to see, because she knows I spend a lot of time with young people. And she, she wanted to know, do, do, do you see a rise in anxiety, depression, and suicide? I said, absolutely. And she goes, why do you think that is? I go, phone, social media. And, and, and she says, but, but there's no research supporting this. There's no proof proving to the point that, that this, this is what's going on. I, I said, I know, but it's coming. She goes, you're pretty adamant about this. I go, yeah, do you want to know why, Kylie? Because we're not meant to find our identity and our worth and our value in a phone. We're meant to find our identity, our worth, and our value in his word because this tells you who you are and whose you are. And so look what happened. In 2018, Bloomberg comes out with a research article, Depression is Affecting More Young People Than Ever. That was May 14, 2018. CBS News Health, Gen Z and Millennials, Loneliest Generation in the History of Humanity, May 3, 2018. January 5th, 2018, from Vogue, millennials are the most anxious generation in history. So in 2013, when Instagram, Snap, TikTok, Facebook, all these things started popping off like crazy and really grabbing a hold of our young people, we saw a synonymous rise with all this social media, its users, and everything else in our culture and our society with the rise of anxiety, depression, medication, and suicide. I'll tell you why, and I'm not a rocket scientist. This tells you who you are and whose you are. And this fuels joy, contentment, happiness, true love, true, true everything that you'll ever have. The device lies to you all the time. That's why I love what my friend Steve Farrar said. Spend time reading and receiving the truth every day because the world will only lie to you the rest of it. Right? And, and so you, we've seen, so what, so what do we do with this anxiety? How, how do we handle this angst? What do we do with it? It's real. It doesn't just go away. People really struggle with it. People near and dear to me really struggle with it. And it's okay. Let's not act like it's not there. Let, let, let's, let's love people through this. But, but look what it says. But in everything, which includes anxiety, with everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So, so I, I would suggest from the scripture that, that rather than continually fueling our anxiety by running to things that fuel it, change it with prayer. How, what, what, if, what if we started praying about things and stopped complaining about things? Because praying is much more productive than complaining. And God-honoring. Right? What, what about that person you're complaining about? Your in-law that you have to spend Christmas with? What if you prayed about him? What, what, what if instead of complaining about that drive you have to make to another country called Texas? What if you prayed about... What if you prayed about that trip you have to make to Texas for the... What, 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 if, what if instead of complaining about how fast this little preacher talks, you actually prayed about how fast and prayed for me? Or, or the waiter or the waitress. You don't know what kind of bad day they're going through. I promise you, at some point today, you're going to complain about something. It's embedded in our society. It's embedded in our culture. It's a part of our DNA. It's a fabric of what we've allowed social media and reviews and everything to become. And Philippians 2, 4, two chapters ago, Paul said in verse 14, do all things without complaining or arguing. Complaining robs your joy. And thankfulness in prayer is the antidote to complaint. 
And so if you want to stir your heart's affections for joy, start praying for people rather than complaining about everything. And woe is you. I'm not saying things might not be hard and I'm not saying things might not be difficult. I do know in my 20 plus years of walking with Jesus, prayer has always, 10 out of 10 times, been more productive than complaining about someone or something. So I don't know where you're at. You're right. But I do know how big our God is. And and, and I, I do know that he hears our prayers. And I do know that you praying to him is going to help solve the solution much better than you complaining to him. Or knowing the boss's assistant might help too, but once in a while that's not always the case. So, right? So it goes on to say in Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God. You know, you know what one of Jesus' names is? The prince of... He's the prince of peace. Jesus is the prince of peace and the ultimate source of our joy. And it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all, not some... All understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know what's really encouraging about this verse? And I I need it sometimes in my life. He sees you. I, I I don't know how all of you walked in here this morning or online. But he sees you. He sees you in your hurt. He sees you in your pain. He sees you in your anxiety. He sees you in your difficult relationship. He sees you in your difficult job. He sees you when things don't go your way. He sees you in your loneliness. He wants you to hear today. He sees you. You're not alone. He sees you. His scripture tells you that. He sees you. And he loves you. And he's got a plan for your life. And I don't know who in here needs to hear that today, but I want you to know that. He sees you. He hasn't left you. He hasn't abandoned you. He hasn't left it up to yourself. No, no, no. He's with you until you take your last breath. And he sees you. Okay? It goes on to say in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of, of praise, think about these things. Ladies and gentlemen, what this does not say is whatever is Fox News, whatever is Facebook, whatever is TikTok, whatever. No, that's not what it says. It, it doesn't tell you to think about those things. As a matter of fact, our... our Our thoughts are really powerful. It says, whatever is pure, lovely, commendable, excellence, worthy of praise, think about these things. Why would Paul be so adamant about our thoughts? Because he knows our thoughts impact our joy. He knows our thoughts impact our lives. And then he says in verse 9, what you have learned and received, heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. The God of peace will be with you, right? So, so how, do you, how do you stop living in fear? How do you stop living in angst? How do you stop driving anxiety? How, here's a great cartoon to answer your question right here. Click. It's not rocket science. Does your phone rob your joy? Then stop spending so much time on your phone. Does television rob your joy? Do certain conversations you have with certain people rob your joy? Well, politely start distancing yourself from that person. If if it's not helping you, why do you keep running to it? And I'm telling you this because I care about your soul and the joy in your life. So the last couple years I've kind of coined this phrase and this is what it is. What you think about is what you care about. What you care about is what you chase. And what you chase is ultimately what you become. 
And our thoughts are driven by the things we listen to and the things we watch. Right? Why do you think company spends millions and millions of dollars on music ads? Right? Watch this. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Right? State Farm Jingle, all the, all the same stuff. Because it gets stuck in our heads. And when it gets stuck in our heads, it controls our thoughts. And what we think about is what we care about. What we care about is what we chase. And what we chase is ultimately what we become. That's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Same with images. Why do you think there are images? The things we see on TV and billboards, you would never have seen on billboards in 1970. But they know that those things draw you in and get you to think about those things. That's why the industry is so powerful. Because if they can control your thoughts, they can control the way you spend your money, they can control the way your direction of your life's going, everything. And Paul knew this. Oh my goodness, Paul knew how powerful thoughts were. Because he not only says it to the church of Philippi, he also says it to the church of Colossae. Look at this. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on this earth. You set them on this earth, watch what happens to your joy. You set your eyes and fixate them on the author and perfecter of our faith, who's also the prince of peace, watch what happens to your joy. He says it again in the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. Look what he says. For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So his suggestion was, don't try not to think about something by not thinking about it. You'll just think about it more. Don't think about it, don't think about it, don't. You're thinking about it. But he's saying, replace that thought that drives your anxiety or robs your joy with things of Christ. Replace that thought with things that stir your heart's affections for Jesus. Paul said it again to Romans. He says, don't conform to the patterns of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Romans 12, 2. Uh, Moses said it in Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 18 through 19. He says, fix these words of mine on your heart and mind. Tie them as symbols of your hand and bind them to your forehead. They knew how powerful thoughts were. And that's why Paul is saying, whatever is God-honoring, think about these things. The more you dwell on thoughts that aren't God-honoring, they won't help you. So here's the question I leave with all of you. What stirs your heart's affections for Jesus? What places can you run to and be in that will help you continually think about things of heaven? For my wife, it's a nice hot cup on the beach or in, or in a beautiful scenery in her Bible. For me, it's natural creation. It's places where man has never touched. I know it's crazy. I want to go to Antarctica. People are like, you're crazy. It's cold there. I know. But guess what? Man hasn't messed it up. And I love seeing things that God has created that man hasn't messed up. So Christmas is coming up. I'm flying out Tuesday to Las Vegas. That sounds great, right? Preacher in Vegas. So I'm flying out to, we got a basketball event out there. So I'm going to be at the Tarkanian Classic from Tuesday to Friday. And my wife and my boys are meeting me out there. Instead of getting a little puddle jumper from Vegas to LA, I said, we're driving. My boys are like, oh, what? We're driving? Why are we driving? Let's just get on a plane. I'm entitled. Let's do this. I said, no, we're renting a car. We're driving. We're driving through the Mojave Desert. You want to know why? As a kid, I drove through the Mojave Desert. And that's what we're doing. What's the Mojave Desert? Nothing. Just cactus, desert, and snakes. That's it. And that's what we're doing. My wife will tell you that I told her, hey, Disneyland's going to be great, right? And, and whatever else we do is going to be great. 
I'm seriously so excited about the drive with a seven and a nine-year-old for three and a half hours across the Mojave Desert. We're going to turn on worship music and we're going to drive through that desert and see what untouched creation looks like. There's not a lot of people that live in the Mojave Desert. And it's beautiful because it's God's. And that really stirs my heart's affections for Jesus. That really stirs my joy. What stirs your heart's affections for Jesus? What, what, what places do you enter into that bring you to that place of joy? And I'd encourage you, keep running back to those places. And be reminded, this Christmas season isn't about us. It isn't about relatives. It isn't about people. It's about Jesus. And think about the joy you have to exude towards others as you c- gather with family and friends these holidays. Amen? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this church family and its leadership and these people. And thank you that we are celebrating the birth of a virgin in less than two weeks. Um, um, we just pray, Lord, that you'd be with this group. And pray anybody is wrestling with anxiety or depression or any of those things. They know that our prayer team is here. Our prayer team is here today, right now, ready to meet with them up front and love on them and pray for them. And God, be with our thoughts. Guard our minds. Guard our actions. May you keep your hand upon this place. We want to praise you and thank you for the way you have blessed this place abundantly more than we could have ever asked or imagined. We give you all the honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.